All right, welcome to another episode of the Good News Cast. It's great to have you listening. Um, as always, my name is Colin Coates, and I am here with the wonderful Jeff Hatton. Colin. Um, we are talking all about race, racism, uh, systemic oppression, systemic racism, the Black Lives Matter movement, all of that kind of stuff. We've pumped out, I think, two episodes now that you can listen to to get caught up. We're working through a paper that we wrote. It's on our church website, RedeemerWaco.org, um, that you can look at a bit more formal um, that we wrote. It's about, I don't know, 10 or so pages long where we go question and answer. We ask kind of the hot topic, hot cultural questions, and then we try to answer them from the Bible first and foremost. And that's what these episodes hopefully are and hopefully are doing is is showing um, uh, what does the Bible say about this topic or that topic? What does the Bible say about race, racism, identity, uh, things that are being said in the culture, things that are being said in the church um, about these things? So we've looked at last week, um, should we identify ourselves, uh, find our identity in our skin color? We kind of touched on some of this, and so this is going to be a quicker episode, but we do want to just tackle it. Here's the question we are asking. What does the Bible say about this? Can race identity change lives? By race identity, what we are essentially trying to say is uh, race identity, meaning finding your identity in a significant way in your in your skin color. Um, I said this last week. I'll say it again. As I've been watching, listening to this conversation for the past nine or ten years, um, I would say I've seen things progressively get worse in our culture in America regarding um, uh, race relations. And, and I'll add even this qualifier. I don't know. When I say worse, I think what I, on a gut level, mean is almost like we all think it's a lot worse. I don't know that I'm saying I actually think in the grocery store people are more racist. <laughs> but I think that people in the grocery store walking next to me, we're all thinking about it a whole lot more. And we probably think more intensely that like this person or that person, they're probably a racist, you know? Um, I do think that actually uh, racism, honestly, the way things have unfolded in this conversation probably has created racists and increased racism, I would argue. Um, but anyway. Uh, it certainly has created a lot of fear too, right? Yeah. So fear is a major yeah. side effect of what's happening too. So fear of being called or labeled a racist or yeah. fear of actual racism yeah. because you now look at that person as if they are a racist, yeah. Yeah. right? No sense of context whatsoever, right. right? You see a certain skin color, racist, right? Right. And, uh, and you have a certain skin color, I don't want to be perceived as a race. I mean, it's yeah. just constant fear yeah. on both sides. Very toxic. Yeah. It's hyper insane uh, sensitivity. I, I read a post by a guy who is becoming more and more popular, um, a, a pastor in this movement, um, who said that growing up, he was never referred to, I think, any books or theology written by black people. Um, and maybe in seminary, only two books, I think, written by black people. And that was his major evidence um, to show why he was indoctrinated, essentially, in like white supremacy. That mm -hmm. was like his hardcore evidence, which 
I, I would be all for a library that is diverse and diverse cultures. And I want to know what the uh, theologian in Denmark is thinking and this and that. I mean, right. Right. Um, uh, so so I'm, I'm not even necessarily saying that that's, that, that that's right. But I am saying hypersensitivity. Right. Um, so truth has a skin color. Yeah. Yeah, which we could get in. We'll probably get into that whole right. concept of like someone's skin color and that determining mm-hmm. <laughs> theology or truth. But my point is that it's just this hypersensitivity. Like, yeah. oh, my pastor's never referred me to a book written by a black person. So are we saying that the conclusion is that that pastor was a racist? That's insane sensitivity, yeah. if not blatant racism. All right, here's the question. Can race identity change lives? I'll let you run with it. Can it change lives? Yeah. Um, no, it's, it actually does the opposite, even what we were just talking about here, that a, a race identity cannot support, the, it cannot support the weight of one's identity. It cannot support the weight, the burden of one's uh, salvation. It cannot make one acceptable. It cannot fill the justification-sized hole um, in one's soul. It's impossible. It's not a savior. I mean, that's the bottom line. Um, a race identity is making race a savior. The color of your skin becomes your salvation. It becomes your savior. Just as much as uh, if I put my identity, the most fundamental layer of my being is defined and determined. My existence on this earth is proven. The worth and value of who I am as a human being. I am somebody. I'm not a bum. I'm not a nothing dependent upon my uh, hardworking discipline. Um, That can't do it. All right, we're back, maybe recording. Well, we're definitely recording. Hopefully, we'll splice this together. Uh, we just had the power go out because of a, a, um, storm. a storm. So, Jeff, yes, if you remember what you were saying. Continue. Oh, I, I, I think I do. So, no, uh, can race identity change lives? Yeah, it can change lives. It, it will deteriorate your life. It will break your life down. It will disintegrate your relationships. It will disintegrate and destroy cultures and peoples and friendships and families communities and neighborhoods because race identity race can never be your savior race cannot give you an intact identity it cannot give you a solid self it cannot justify your very being it will turn you into a non-being and i think what i was talking about was i mean that goes for everything there are you could put in you could have a a performance what paul calls a performance or works-based salvation or a works-based identity. It could be putting gender in there. It could be putting uh, sexual desires and preferences in there. It could be your accomplishments and your performance in terms of being an athlete or your intellectual prowess or your accomplishments in your particular career and whatever the success markers are there and whatever the failure markers are there. In other words, it's an identity based on the law. It's an identity based on works and that can never save. It can only destroy. When you sin against, when you fall short of your identity marker, you are condemned. Uh, There's no forgiveness that God will not forgive you, that God will not accept you. Uh, The color of your skin being the basis of the fundamental layer of your acceptability and your righteousness and your salvation before God cannot deliver. It is a false God. It's a false salvation. It's a false kingdom. It's a false way of seeing the world. 
Uh, it's a false doctrine, as Paul would probably call it. So no, I think there's some folks that have touched upon that too. I mean, uh, well, let's look at Zuby. I have a quote from Zuby, uh, black author, raps, uh, rapper, podcaster, speecher, coach. She says, telling people that they are inherently oppressed, privileged, criminal, or racist simply because of their skin color is an act of racism and bigotry in itself. There's nothing kind nor helpful about it. It sows the seeds of division and resentment. So can race identity change lives? Yes, for the worst. Relationships, will it change your relationship? Yes, for the worst. Uh, will it change your culture, your neighborhoods, your communities, institutions? Yes, for the worst. I agree. So Romans uh, 1 says, For I'm not ashamed, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So the answer to sin, the answer to our needs for a solid identity and worth um, and righteousness is the gospel. So whatever cultural evil we're looking at, um, uh, racism, what we're talking about, the answer is the gospel. The answer is Jesus. Um, It is not some complex idea of identity um, uh, that's wrapped up in skin color or even culture or, or whatever. The Bible's movement or power struggle or power or ha- having power or not having power the bible's movement is always a way when it talks about our identity when it talks about where salvation is where our ultimate identity is in it's always moving away from things like culture like even paul there says jew and greek uh, to the jew first and also to the greek there was this major conflict erupting between the jew and everyone else everyone else, Israel, God's people, and everyone else, the Gentiles. And so he's addressing that, but he's not moving them, trying to move them deeper into it. He's trying to say, it doesn't matter what culture you come from. It doesn't matter what continent you grew up in, what nation, what language you speak, right? Revelation, I think seven. What your cultural preferences are, what your educational realities are, what your philosophical beliefs are, right? He's, he's pushing us into Jesus as the answer, the answer uh, to sin, the answer to our identity problems. One of the ways, just to give one example, um, and then and then I'm kind of done on this topic because I think I think last week we covered a lot. Um, the bottom line is it's simple as this. And sometimes I feel like I'm saying something that is so simple that I'm going, am I missing something? But I don't think I am. Uh, the answer to racism cannot be racism. The answer to sin can never be sin. So one of the things that erupted years ago was this whole new idea that all white people are racist. And it's kind of like this like positive racism. It's it's like I'm calling you to repentance and repentance is a good thing. Mm-hmm. It is. Like we want to repent of sin. We want to repent of racism um, where we see it in our lives, in our hearts, in our thinking. So there's this idea, well, well how could that idea be hurtful? Because I'm just trying to call you to be a better person. We could talk a lot about how it's how it's hurtful. But the simplest way to talk about it is the bottom line is it's racist. It's to look at any person and say, oh, your skin color tells me that you are guilty of this sin and you should repent. It's a racist idea and it may seem like it's helping, 
but I think the past 10 years and especially, especially the past five years as that started to erupt has only shown it's only making things a lot worse. Yeah. And more incomprehensible. Far more incomprehensible. Right. Sin is sin and uh, justice is no longer in reality. It's become this weird intuitive thing. It's yes. become this nameless, uh, hidden, uh, dark reality that's subconscious. Uh, it's not reality. Uh, instead of living uh, free from yourself, out towards trust and faith in God and love towards neighbor, uh, this doctrine, this race identity doctrine, turns you in on yourself and turns you in on your neighbor. It yeah. does the exact opposite because it's turning me in to find an identity or salvation in myself, yeah. my skin color. And therefore, I don't, I don't find, I don't look out in a solid self in what God gives in Jesus, and therefore free now to love my neighbor. Uh, I am turned in on myself and trapped within myself, and a culture's trapped within itself. And that's just a horrible place to be. It's a deteriorating place yeah. to be. It's a breakdown place to be. It's where lives and relationships and societies run into the ground and ruin. Right. So the answer is the gospel. To be clear, Jeff and I would never deny, n- number one, it's so easy to to look at America's history and say, yes, we've got, our history is marked by um, just terrible, evil uh, racism. We would also affirm that, of course, racism is alive today. I mean, who are we or how dare we <laughs> right. as people who believe in sin and the pervasiveness of sin to say, well, we think this sin has been completely eradicated in America, <laughs> right? Um, that would just be the dumbest thought. Right. What we're trying to say is don't answer it wherever it is with more of it. Right. Answer it with the gospel. Answer it with Jesus. Answer it with an identity that is based in Jesus. Answer it with the power of the gospel. Um and, and just to make a quick uh, comment on what you just said about kind of things becoming incomprehensible. I mean, this is what I've seen with, um, I told you this after that we recorded our first uh, podcast episode that I felt like I was saying something so simple that if this cultural movement wasn't happening, I'm, I'm confident that was most, our most boring episode talking about like, are we really talking about, are we really having to be explicit about not finding your identity and your, your skin color, you know, like in today's, right world it, it seems so simple to address some of these things from the bible but what i've seen is that is that it feels that way because things have become so mysterious and incomprehensible and so it, it, it kind of goes like this I, I think that the average person especially the average christian is is unintentionally at at least uh trapped in the incomprehensible mystery because it goes like this Hey, you're you're white and you're racist, and it's like, no, I'm I I've never I've never had a racist thought. I've never done a racist thing. It's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. It's subconscious. It's like, oh, okay. And and also, like, you're just wrapped in a white subconscious culture called whiteness and white culture and white privilege, and so you're just in it. You don't even have to be explicit or conscious of it. You are just daily. Like when you go to Starbucks, you are taking part in the oppression of, uh, of of a whole like people group. So you're like, okay, okay. So I don't, I can't identify the sin in me or in my actions or my thoughts. 
but I'm being called to specifically repent of it and to talk to God as though I do identify it. Right. And then the answer comes in this kind of like technical, like critical race theory. Well, you have to understand that like we have schol- a scholarly thing called critical race theory to back all this up. And it's like, oh, gra- oh, okay. Because I do want to repent of racism if it's there. So could you explain to me critical race theory? And the answer is, well, you would have to read like 1,500 pages that are on the bookshelf in this law school, you know, somewhere in the country to really understand. I mean, that was one of the most recent things I saw was you have to read thousands of pages to understand it. So yeah. let me get this straight. Right. Let me get this straight. To identify racism, I have to read 1,500 pages on something called critical race theory to finally have my eyes opened to sin. Yeah. Since when is that how sin and repentance work? Because what I see in the Bible is like sin being fairly obvious, you know, and even when you're blinded to it, like, I think of David and Nathan. Yeah. David's blinded to it, but it's obvious. Right. And Nathan, it's obvious to the reader, right? It's obvious to the reader. Everybody it's but David. To Nathan, yeah. Uh, you know, he does some little uh, prophet trickery, biblical little, trickery, little judo. And, and David, story of a David poor doesn't go, yep. "Okay, I'll repent," even though I still can't see it. It's like, no, oh, boom, okay, yeah, yeah, obviously, I'm murdered, all this stuff, right? Yeah. That's what you see throughout the Bible. You see clear rebuking and correction of sin. And I know that I may be getting a little off tangent here, but this is where this stuff becomes, in my opinion, pastoral abuse. Because you're basically saying, hey, to fight racism, you need to identify yourself with your white race, which is a a race based in white supremacy and oppression of black people. And that's how you should identify yourself now so that you can properly repent and heal things. Which again is a false doctrine of race identity, correct? Which is... Again, since when does God call us to say, hey, I need you to come before me and repent of a specific sin that you can't identify, but just act like you can. Now, yes, the Psalms do talk about my sins are countless and I don't know them all. I'm fine with even a repentance of God. If there be any racism in me, forgive me and heal me. Right. But the idea that I'm supposed to come out or any human and say, I confess I'm a racist, even though I can't prove it to myself right it doesn't even work that way that's not genuine repentance no it doesn't and that's why the law is true justice right that's why we jesus doesn't even talk that way about uh murder and hate he even tells you what the motive looks like in your heart and tells you what it looks like in your behavior yeah same with lust and adultery right um it's clear cut is my point You, you can identify it you can see it and this race identity stuff turns into this incomprehensible, mysterious uh, thing yeah. for which you don't know how to repent. And so when you when you don't know how to repent of a sin clearly and come before the Lord, whether in prayer, you know, come before the Lord, repent, uh, receive his grace, fix your eyes on Christ, well, you're just left in guilt. Right. I'm supposed to repent for something I can't identify, which just means I'm just, I feel like I'm just guilty. Which is, we're bearing, we're seeing some of the fruit of that too, though. In the culture, we're seeing some of the fruit of that where uh, there is no redemption, right? Yeah. Even yeah. that kind of yeah. talk is starting to happen. Yeah. And it's like, there's no redemption for you. Yeah. There's no, there's no way for you to be rescued. Yeah. That's even happening. People aren't able to actually identify intelligent repentance, yeah. uh, an intelligent conviction, which is absolutely clear in scripture that lives change 
through an intelligent understanding of ourselves, right. an intelligent repentance, and a trust in Jesus and his salvation, addressing that specific area that we need to uh, repent of, turn away from trusting that Savior to the true Savior. If that dynamic doesn't happen, nothing changes. And and the language that's being talked about today seems to actually obliterate that, seems to take away the intelligence of it, make it so incomprehensible. So there is no redemption, but there's only accusation and condemnation. And and something I think that we we probably should, uh, we can wrap this up on is that when the church and when the culture lives, right, breathes the air of accusation and condemnation, you know you're no longer in the realm of the gospel. You're no longer walking in the light. You're actually in the evil one's backyard. You're playing his game. He's called the accuser. He is the condemner continuously. Uh, And when the primary emotive and the primary actions and the primary discussions and the primary tweets and the primary social media posting and the primary teaching and the primary preaching is that of accusation and condemnation that's unintelligible and incomprehensible, but yet it's supposedly there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's utterly destructive. Yeah, It's not redemptive. It's not Christianity. It's not the Bible. It's not the gospel. Yeah. And we see that happening. I mean, a lot of people are seeing that and saying that within the church, that, that this movement within the church has become in many ways Christless, um, you know, for me, what kind of what I would say is Paul says the gospel is of first importance, and I would say for churches, um, you know, I, I, I call would call him like a woke church or woke pastor. To me, it seems like the gospel is it's no longer of first importance; it's secondary at best, right? Um, but the gospel has become kind of like how it became in the the social justice movement with poverty; like the whole Bible became about about poverty. Now the whole Bible is becoming about race, and the gospel is all about race, and et cetera, et cetera, as opposed to the good news of the forgiveness of sins, yeah. <laughs> sins that you... Uh, of which all not only fall short, but all are in. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're done. We went longer than we want. Hopefully this actually recorded uh, in light of the uh, the... the uh, power problems. But hey, thanks for listening. Again, reach out as always with questions, with critiques, with your agreements, your disagreements at goodnewsnotgoodadvice.com. We would love to engage with questions, uh, engage with comments, engage with uh, even critiques and disagreements. So uh, we hope this is helpful. Until next time, see you.